Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, motorcycle, boat, RV, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to save you money. Could be bundles, but they'll figure out ways to save you money. And they'll make sure you're fully insured. It's all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Uh, first of all, Thon, $15 million plus. Phenomenal. Great work by all of them who worked so hard to make that happen. And to all of you who made donations. Tremendous. $15 million in the fight against pediatric cancer. I believe that's the record for it. Correct. Second year in a row that it's been broken. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good. Uh, they've done a nice job, and congratulations to them for all the hard work they put in. Uh, the basketball players got back about three in the morning, and so if, like Kanye Clary said, he he went in and he stayed for an hour. Uh, a couple of other players were so tired they 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 kind of like just peeked their head in and left. But yeah. Uh, so, the reveal, by the way, took place for the NCAA tournament and what their top four seeds looked like. And UCLA was on the two line in the eight spot. Mick Cronin, have you ever met Mick? Mick's one. Of, Mick is one of those you'd love talking to him. Let me let me put it to you this way. I, I've I, all the conversations that I have with him, I've just thoroughly enjoyed. I think he's direct to the point, honest, and doesn't hold back. Fights for his team, fights for his players. I like Mick. I think he's going to be a great addition of the Big Ten. He did not hide his disdain for the projections after suggesting they were a result of UCLA's defection to the Big Ten. When we left the Pac-12, it cost a lot of people millions of dollars, and there was going to be fallout. I even talked to my old AD, Mike Bone, about it. Uh, and I think it's a direct result of it. Now I'm not going to put the pieces together for you on how that affects that, but comical. If you're going to ask me one word about our current ranking, comical. <laughs> Good for him. You know, you, Maryland has lost only one home game this this year, right? They just, but Maryland just lost at Nebraska in overtime. Did you see that? I know, and that probably kept him out of getting into the top 25 this week. Right. But but they've only lost once at home the whole season. It is pretty amazing. And you know who it was? 
UCLA. And UCLA not only won, Matt, they pummeled them. I mean, they pummeled them. There you go. All for, full uh, circle. And that was back. And that's, remember I made the comment about, well, they didn't have any problem going east and winning that game, did they? Exactly. <laughs> I made the comment on the, on the show. I said travel was no issue there. Uh, so that's out. Um, it doesn't mean much to me. It doesn't matter. Um, it'll matter on Selection Day. It's just it's just like the weekly snapshots we talk about with the College Football Playoff Committee all the time. Um, so your guy Paul O'Neill is going to return to Yes Network and be in the booth. He's going to be oh, allowed my to be there. Almighty. The network has loosened its vaccine mandates. All right. A lot of people have had a lot of interest in um, what the landscape of college sports is going to look like moving forward. So when Texas and Oklahoma went from the Big 12 to the SEC, which now it's going to happen starting in 24, there was a lot of speculation as to who was going to go where. Most of it was pure nonsense. Um, Then USC and UCLA jumped to the Big Ten, which will also start in 24. Most of the speculation since then has been pure nonsense. There's been... uh, Now, what's keeping it alive is the lack of a contract or the Pac-12. Now, we're going to get Tony Knopp on the show. Uh, We could have had him Thursday, and I said no, only because um, Thursday he could do it earlier in the day. Really couldn't do it um, at the time I needed him to do it for the show. He said, he says, uh, we can shoot for the week of the 6th, which is pretty wide open. So I said, hey, how about the 6th, which is a Monday? Um, and I, I did text him. I said, I'm pretty sure Georgie K won't have a media deal by then. <laughs> That's George Klyovkov. And, uh, and that's what's kept the speculation alive is what's going on. What's interesting is that, every, you know, we had Dennis Dodd on last week talking about the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. And we had him on the show. We had him on the day before he put the article out. So anybody listening to the show got an advance on the article that a lot of people talked about the next day. He talked about it with us the day before. But what is interesting is that if you take a long look at the meetings that have been happening with the Big 12, I haven't heard of any meetings involving Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. I have. That doesn't mean they haven't happened. I just have not heard of any. I don't know if you have. But I have not heard of a meeting involving Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, or Utah with the Big 12. Doesn't mean they haven't. I just haven't heard about it. Same here. I have not heard. Right? And with Utah, Utah finally four years ago went from 
out to in with the AAU. And I know there's, obviously through the Rose Bowl, I've got to, had a chance to talk to and get to know some of the Utah people. And their whole point was this. Why, quote, did we fight so hard to get to the AAU and then jump to a conference that <laughs> it doesn't matter? <laughs> Which in the Big 12, it doesn't matter. And that was their point. But you know what the stories have centered around as to who actually has talked? The Big 12 has talked with, and this has been at the presidential level, Fresno State. Hmm. But why are you talking with Fresno State? That's interesting. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It's, at, it's been at the presidential level, okay. but they have talked to Fresno State because Fresno State would be the West, would be the Pacific time zone. The other one they've had interest in is Boise State. Those are two interesting choices. But but that's where the conversations now have gone. And the, the Fresno State stuff's been confirmed, that they've at least had talks at the presidential level. What that means, it could mean nothing. But that's where it's happened. It hasn't been with Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. It hasn't been. Um, to let you know about like how you've got to sit back and really kind of like weed out certain things. Uh, for example, how about the story about Turner and CBS are no longer in, in, in the bidding for the Pac-12? Now, you saw that story. Well, it turns out that, guess what? Turner and CBS never bid for the Pac-12, so it's easy to say. That. It's like saying PBS isn't bidding. <laughs> the PBS is out. They're not going to go for the Pac-12. The PBS is out. <laughs> it's like, well, you, can't, you can't be out of something you're not in. But Turner and CBS were never in. It really is ESPN and Amazon. Now it's a question of how much money they can get. And then there's the Gonzaga story that the Big 12 has some interest in Gonzaga, no word if they've had any conversation, and that the Pac-12 is interested in Gonzaga. Now, Gonzaga does not play Division I football, as we all know. They would would be in as a basketball only, all right? But there's a lot of questions about it. How much money would they get? So let's give everybody an idea on media rights, what the reality of media rights happens to be, Okay. So let's just take a round number. Let's take $50 million, all right? So $50 million as a round number. The way media rights works is that 80% of it is for football, 20% is basketball. So basketball gets $0.20 on the dollar, okay? Football gets $0.80 on the dollar. That's essentially how it works. So the question is, if it's Gonzaga coming in, how much money would they get from the Pac-12? They can't get a full share. They wouldn't be earning a full share. When Gonzaga plays a high-valued opponent, 
Gonzaga's ratings are outstanding. They average about 900,000 viewers. For example, when UCLA plays a high-valued opponent, they're about 450. Now, if you're saying, is Gonzaga them worth twice as much as UCLA? No, not even remotely close. Because those are the high-valued games. Gonzaga plays a whole bunch of games that aren't high-valued. In fact, the odd thing is, is that you, uh, when you look at it, I believe in the net, Penn State actually at this moment I think has more quad one wins than Gonzaga does, and they're only they may have as many as Gonzaga, and they have one more than St. Mary's does, and that's the West Coast Conference. They don't play enough high value targets. How much Gonzaga? I watch Gonzaga play. Some of their St. Mary's game, which the game they lost. And I watched some of that, but that's the only game in that conference worth watching. Maybe BYU, but BYU's going to the Big 12. So the question would be if Gonzaga were to go, how much money would you give them? Right? Because essentially, basketball media rights are 20 cents on the dollar. Football media rights are 80 cents on the dollar. And the big and the Pac-12 is not going to be getting 50 million dollars a school. They are not. They're fighting to get get to 30. And it's a fight. They're fighting to get to 30. And it's going to be an uphill fight right now to get there. And George Klyovkov has looked at San Diego State because obviously they're trying to somehow keep the Southern California mix in there. And they're looking at SMU. Uh, There was some talk about Rice. The Rice thing with the Pac-12 was not going to happen. But there's been talk about Gonzaga, and the other part is would there's a couple of, there's a couple of other elements. Washington and Washington State would have to say yes to this, because where's Gonzaga? In Eastern Washington, Spokane. And the other element is every time. Notice what the Big Ten has done, and notice what the Pac-12 what they have done. Same thing with the SEC. When the SEC expanded, the SEC went to South Carolina, they went to Arkansas, they went to Oklahoma. Now, they already had Texas A&M. And they already had Texas A&M, okay? Uh, But they added Texas. What did the Pac-12 do when they expanded? They went to Utah. They went to Colorado. Then before that, when they were the Pac-8, they went to Arizona. The Big Ten has gone to Pennsylvania, Nebraska, New Jersey, Maryland, California. They've always added to the footprint. This would be one that if Gonzaga were added, they would not be adding to their footprint. Okay? They would not be adding to the footprint. So, that's... there's. 
it's an interesting it's an interesting conundrum. And also, Mark Few is now, I think he's sixty. How much longer is he going to be there? I mean, how much longer? You have to openly ask. Like, there's a lot of questions that you'd ask about that, but it's something that's been brought up. Okay, well, since it's brought up, let's see what they say. Also, as a public service announcement or a message, are you okay? Yes, it's now been over a week. I'm 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 better than what I was last week. Yes. There has been some progress made. Anything to help. Audrey Snyder next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Audrey Snyder, next half hour, plus more on-air Macatrillo therapy. <laughs> it's helping. You're barely hanging on. It's true, but it's helping a little bit. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
Mac here on the Steve Jones Show. Mac Catrillo here with you. Steve is there in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Sorry about that. I was talking to my grandchildren on FaceTime. (laughs) And how are they (laughs) They, doing? They're doing great. They called during the news break. And if they call, I usually stop what I'm doing. But I told them, I said, I have to go back and finish the show. So... (laughs) How about if Grammy talks to you for a while? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> they wanted they wanted to show me they went to a Rochester Americans game yesterday and they each got a puck. So Very nice. They wanted to make sure I saw that. I like it. So do we have Audrey here? We have her. Who doesn't need to hear all this nonsense from me? <laughs> you know, what, Steve, I was gonna say I can't follow that up. I, I've got I've got nothing for you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, by the way, just so everybody knows, not only was uh, Jalen Pickett the National uh, Player of the Week, uh, he was also um, in a major shock, the Big Ten Player of the Week. And it looks like he didn't have to share it, uh, which is you know unusual for the Big Ten. All right, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. All right, Audrey, uh, the announcement made last week, and it was not unexpected, that Penn State want, intends to go in the direction of – renovation of Beaver Stadium, which in a lot of ways is a rebuild. Uh, What was your thought when you saw that? Yeah, you're right, Steve. I mean, this was the expected outcome. You know, I think that you look at it, and the thing that surprised me is looking back, I mean, the facility master plan, it's going to be six years next month, which makes me feel old because in some ways it feels like that was pretty recent. Um, But again, I think fans have to remember the stadium was never part of that initial wave, that first five-year plan. So I think fans have been waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen with the stadium, and then Pat Kraft takes over, and there were more studies conducted. And at some point, I talked with Pat in September, and he said, like, okay, at some point we just got to have all the data and say, let's make a decision and go. And that's what we're seeing now. I mean, that's what Friday's announcement was. It was, hey, this is the definitive, here's what we're going to do, which looks like this way all the time, but it's more economical. Uh, to do this renovation, and again, you're going to have to do it in phases so the team can still play there, but then what we're going to get into here in the coming months and years, we'll see again, because the timeline with this thing is still really fluid, what's the financial model look like? What are these actual upgrades? You know, How many changes? What's the timeline for the project? There's still so many unknowns with the stadium, but I think if you're a Penn State fan, you're saying, okay, at least we know now that that really small percentage chance that maybe they were going to build a new stadium, that's officially off the table. Well, and realistically, they would still have to play there, as you said, Audrey, Mm -hmm. because let's take Northwestern, for example. Northwestern's going to do a full rebuild and have a smaller stadium, which probably fits their needs anyway. But they can go to Soldier Field and play, and they're within the proximity of their footprint. Penn State had no opportunity to do that. Right. Yeah, I guess we won't be seeing them at, at the state high field anytime soon, right? <laughs> or or at the link or at whatever yeah. they want to call it in Pittsburgh this month. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, formerly Heinz Field, right? Formerly Heinz Field. Uh what do you what do you, does this do for the future of the program once they get this thing started and what can it mean not just now but for the 30s and 40s of Penn State football? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's huge. I think you look at it and you say, okay, one, it's overdue, right? This has needed to happen for a long time. Now, again, what do these upgrades look like? We'll have to see. I know one of the things that Pat Kraft had mentioned when we spoke in the fall was that 
but widening the concourse is something that you just look at trying to get people in and out of the stands. I know the fans, he, they've heard the complaints about the Wi-Fi, about the bathrooms. So it's all those types of things, right? You're making it a more appealing atmosphere for everybody. But on top of that, you have to keep in mind the expanded college football playoff gives this a sense of urgency. If you are going to host a game at Beaver Stadium, which Penn State could do, and again, Penn State's one of the biggest beneficiaries of this expanded playoff field, you need to make sure that your building can withstand that, that it's looking its best, that you're not holding your breath, hoping that it's a warm day in December, and that the pipes don't freeze. I mean, there's all these things that the playoff makes this a point of emphasis now, something that you have to do. But again, you look at you know the upside of this, it's the moneymaker, Steve. I mean, it's the reason why people yeah. flock to central Pennsylvania in the fall. And so the more times per year you can use this stadium for other things, and we saw it a little bit with Top Golf, but there are also different events that they can do to get the community more involved, not necessarily huge moneymakers, but things like that. I mean, it just gives it so much more use than the you know six, seven times a year. When you look at the uh, football program right now, Audrey, they're going through winter workouts. Their fifth one is coming up on Wednesday, as a matter of fact. Uh, when you look at the makeup of this team, I thought James made the most interesting comment of all and he, right out of the gate, which I expected him to say anyway. But the leadership component of last year's team was special. You could see from day one. How do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to me, that's the big kind of the big theme this spring is you know, you kind of took for granted forever that Sean Clifford was here, P.J. Mustafer was here, Jonathan Sutherland, Jair Brown, all those guys. I mean, that was your nucleus of the team, your leadership, four-time team captains. You have a pair of them in that group. So, yeah, who steps up? And I think the interesting thing is with Drew Aller, he's your quarterback regardless of the fact that, you know, he's only been on campus for a year. He has to have that vocal presence. It comes with the position whether you like it or not. And having a chance to talk with Drew this offseason, he said, yeah, it's something that he's working on. And teammates said that they have noticed him being more vocal in workouts, and he's been trying to get the wide receivers together. But, you know, it comes with the territory. And I thought it was really interesting this past weekend when Penn State had their THON event over in the football building. And we had a chance to talk with Kalen King. And Kalen King said, yeah, I learned a lot from Joey Porter Jr. And one of those things was how to lead. And Kalen was really honest about that and said that's not something he's really familiar with or particularly enjoys being a leader, that twin brother Kobe was kind of their their spokesman all along. Um, But he said that's something he has to do. So I think the fact that they're so aware of it and that James is so aware of it, to me that's something that it has to happen organically between now and August. In that regard, the specter of, of, of Sean Clifford of being here six years, how helpful is it now that Aller and Prabula saw what he did and how he went about his business? It's huge. I think so much of what we heard last year was that Sean, you know, doesn't get enough credit for these things behind the scenes. And this is what I think we're going to see and hear more about this year. You know, how did Sean watch film? What was he doing on Mondays and Tuesdays to prepare for the game that Saturday? Like all those little details, the fact that both of those guys were able to be sponges to him, um, it's invaluable. You know, I think there's the live experience certainly matters a lot and it was really good that Penn State was able to get Drew in as many games as they did but so much of the behind the scenes stuff um, was just as important because you're looking at how do you process information quickly and you know maybe what tips or tricks did he learn from Sean or maybe things that Sean said hey early on in my career I wish I would have known this and hey Drew here's how I would go about that so there's a lot of value to that but I do expect that at some point this season Steve we're going to hear more of 
Drew saying, oh, yeah, like this was something that Sean taught me. I remember when Sean said this. Um, because that's kind of, you know, how you bridge these these legacies and careers. Like these guys, they're going to be tied together for a really long time, um, kind of as the one arrow to the next. A guy that was not here in the spring, and I think people assume he was here in the spring, was denied Dennis Sutton. Another guy, too, is Abdul Carter. Mm-hmm. I mean, two guys that were not here in the spring last year. When you had a chance to sit down with uh, them on on the media get-together, what was the thought from each of them about going through a winter workout for the first time, going through a spring practice for the first time? The winter workouts were a little harder than they thought. <laughs> they heard kind of the horror stories of it yeah. and that, hey, it's going to be really tough. And um, Denai said that, you know, this is something that mentally it pushes you. Obviously, physically it's difficult. It is what it is. But he said mentally, like, this is the time of the year where you figure out what you're made of and um, just how hard you can push yourself. And, I mean, these are two guys that are going to be future stars on this defense. I mean, we saw it from Abdul Carter this past year for sure. Um, but I think Denai Dennis Sutton, you just look at him physically, Steve, and this does not look like someone who was in a high school a year ago. I mean, he's no. just – built differently, put together differently. And again, I mean, all the experience he gained last year is going to be really critical, too, as you look at that, that defensive end rotation with Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. Uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Denied Dennis Sutton. But, yeah, Abdul Carter, the thing that, that he said he's really work, working on this year is film study. He wants to become a better student of the game and that this is something last year at this time he wasn't really able to wade into much. So you look at it now, you say, okay, you get your first winter, your first spring, He's still trying to have Manny Diaz challenge him as much as possible and wants to learn as much as he can from Manny. But a lot of that is the behind-the-scenes stuff. And that's what, and you know, another thing what this time of year is about, figuring out what works for you with your preparation and what are maybe some tendencies you can pick up on film now, whether about yourself or about your opponents. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot happening, even if it's not front and center this time of year. A couple of years ago, there were two players that entered the transfer portal, uh, Lamont Wade and Cam Sullivan-Brown, that then opted mm-hmm. to come back to Penn State. Devon Townley has done that. And I know that uh, you ended up asking Drew Shelton about, give me an under-the-radar guy. And let's face it, to me it makes sense. And the reason it makes sense to me is, if you watch practice on the scout team, who was Drew Shelton going up against a lot? Devon Townley. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did he tell you about him and why he thinks he's an under-the-radar guy? Yeah, you know, and I, that was one of those answers that I was not expecting to get, right? <laughs> you go into this, you say, oh, okay, yeah. like, he, he pinpoints Devon Townley Jr. as somebody who, who stood out to him, and he said, yeah, I was excited to see him exit the portal and, and stay at Penn State. And I think the interesting thing with Townley to me is that this winter he's listed at 6'6", 267, and Penn State's listing him as a defensive tackle. And seeing him at, at the Thon event this past weekend – he looks much bigger. He looks like a defensive tackle that's yes, growing into that position. So I think for me, like that position is going to be interesting because, you know, he came here as an end, but was a bigger guy and his position has gone back and forth since he's been here. So he's one of those guys that you want to keep an eye on this spring that you want to learn more about. Um, because the fact that, you know, Drew Shelton comes in here as a surprise, again, another guy who wasn't here last spring comes right. in, does really well. And then says, Oh yeah, by the way, this guy was giving me fits in practice and that guy's Devon Townley Jr. Um, it just speaks to the depth of this program and the talent that 
you know, we keep seeing more and more of this talent, Steve, but there's even more, I think, than, than what scratches the surface. And if you're Townley, um, you say, okay, you're going to come back this spring and, and probably see where things stand after spring ball, but give yourself, you know, it looks like he's put himself in a really good position to, to push some t- for some time right now at least. Uh, also, uh, through the bowl game and then in this session that was in earlier this month, everybody got a chance to talk with both Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. How did they strike you? You know, I, I knew coming into it that they were men of few words, uh, and their teammates had backed that, and they had backed <laughs> that. Um, you know, they're guys that they're just laid back, and they do not say a ton, and that's kind of they were the same way as recruits, so nothing has changed on that front. Um, but Nick Singleton did seem kind of more at ease, more relaxed uh, earlier this month when we spoke. And, you know, the thing for them is that they get along really well. And I think you mm-hmm. look at the, the culture in that room that Jaywan Sider has built, not only the talent, there's been a ton of talent that's come through through that room, but the culture of, okay, it's all right if we share carries. Like, they are, both guys are okay with that. And, you know, to me, that's that's a little bit surprising, but it makes sense when you think about the next level and limiting wear and tear for these guys. But, yeah, I mean, it, Penn State is in such a good position in that backfield, and everybody saw it last year. And I think the exciting part about it is now, and this is something that Singleton had touched on, he said, I want to catch more passes, and the coaching staff wants me to catch more passes. So they've got him doing a little bit of work with the receivers uh, to work on his hands a little bit, work on his routes, because that's one area that he wants to work into his game a little bit more. So, again, you look at opening this offense up even more than they did last year, and it's definitely exciting. And I think it's you can feel the excitement around the program this time of year, which isn't something that we were able to say the last few years. Uh I know. I believe the athletic directors are meeting today and tomorrow. I think uh, in Chicago. I know they're talking about scheduling. <laughs> if if they do go away from divisions and decide to go with the three six six model, mm-hmm. your opinion: Who should the three be for Penn State that are on the schedule every year? You know what? So we actually we ran a poll on the athletic. Oh, I, I, week about no, we, this trend. we read the poll with attribution on the show Friday. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah, and you tell you what, the thing, Ohio State, Steve, that's what fans wanted in our poll. I, I agree. Like, to me, that's the one that, you know, you always say, okay, who's Penn State's rival? And we all know that how that discussion goes. Ohio State makes sense. The thing that surprised me was Maryland as that number two choice. But then the more I thought about it, regionally, yes, you get a lot of guys from Maryland, um, you know, former faces, teammates from high school, you get that. The way things have been, it does soften the schedule a little bit. So I get that. I like that. The third, for me, is kind of the one that we've seen creep up here the last decade, Uh, Penn State, Iowa. I mean, the fans have been at each other uh, the last few years. Of course, we had the the big injury gate scenario and the booing of injuries that's only fueled this thing. Yeah, that's the wrestling thing, right? I mean, that's what it is. I mean, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think, but but you look at it for, for the football, I mean, there have been some great games between those teams, and I think if you think about it as a third, like, to me, that's a third program. The atmosphere at Kinnick's great. Um, now, selfishly, mm-hmm. I'd like to see USC or UCLA. Yeah, me too. Out there, Steve, but I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if we'll be seeing that. But, yeah, it is, it is going to be really interesting to see uh, how they come up with the scheduling model. Well, you'll see it. And the reason you'll see it, maybe not every year, Audrey, you'll see because, mm-hmm. look, they didn't go into these TV deals to have USC and UCLA not play Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. 
We'll, we'll mean, get there at some point, Steve. Just how soon we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point, yeah, at some point it will be. But the idea would be that in a four-year span, you'd play everybody. That's the that's what the three-six-six model is about. Uh, what struck me was looking at the Ohio State and that part of the poll. Like, there's no question who one was. But there also was no question who number two was for Ohio State and that poll. It was Penn State. Yeah. And to me, it's interesting because then I think if you're Ohio State, you're like, all right, we're sick and tired of going to Beaver Stadium. We're sick and tired of being on the receiving end of the whiteout because they have been quite a bit. But there have been so many great games, and, you know, Penn State has played them better than so many other teams and I think that's the other you know yeah sure fans can point to the record I get all that but when you dissect those games and how close they've been and we saw it for three quarters again this year I mean this is this is a really nice nice back and forth that's been going on here and again you look at down the road if you're Penn State Ohio State's always going to be well positioned in the conversation for the playoffs so you certainly want to want to ramp up your schedule to that point where you can get to the Buckeyes. And just for the record, so the Ohio State fans know, you have not been the whiteout game here since 2018. All right, so uh, <laughs> it's a fact. But they probably they would have been in 2020 had it not been COVID. I think we could probably agree on that. It was a gray. It was a gray out. Yeah, <laughs> a bleacher out. Yeah, it was a gray out. I mean, it's you know, it was a battleship gray. All right. Audrey, it's always a pleasure. You do great work as always. I, I for one, really enjoy it very much. Thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they have not been the whiteout game here since 2018. So it's not quite every year. Okay. Now, there have been circumstances, but this year they weren't. This year they weren't. Minnesota's the whiteout game. This year is the game at night. Very cool. I, I won't be shocked if, it, if that breaks this year, though. Well, Penn State's playing at Ohio State this year, so it's not this year. Right. So, um, it might be Iowa. We'll see. I don't know. To me, it depends on when, when they want to put the Michigan game. Yeah, well, Michigan game's in November. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. November so, is a hard, is yeah, a, is a difficult whiteout game. November is difficult to white out any game. You can do it. Um, I think they did a a helmet stripe or something like that in November two years ago. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they want to do with it. Uh, and also keep in mind, I think Penn State's playing Iowa the same day. Is it the same day as Notre Dame and Michigan in Ohio State? I don't know. Let's see. When does Notre Dame play Ohio State? Um, you can always do it the easy way. Right? You can sit there and you can just kind of. Yeah, Let's see. Here. When is Notre Dame Ohio State? And it goes around in a circle. It does nothing. One moment. Oh, don't give me one moment. How about like now? <laughs> uh, September 23rd. Yes, it's the exact same day as uh, as the Still Iowa game. It. Yeah, see, you're way better than Siri. Siri, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that that I is a big factor. <laughs> so, a few months ago, I was talking. Jack Ham and I were talking on the phone. <laughs> and Jack said, he says, 
Joanne's fighting with Siri again. <laughs> They're having an argument. But I can tell you right now, Joanne's way smarter than Siri. Way smarter. I'm All sure. Right. <laughs> oh, she is. We'll come back with uh, more in a moment. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. <laughs> Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Next hour will be filled with therapy. <laughs> like I said, we're doing better now that we're a, a little over a week out of it, but just barely hanging on. Racing yesterday helped. Yeah, well, um, I, I watched the end where they had like, I think what they had, a dozen restarts? No. Combined, I mean, officially two two green white checker finishes, but yeah, it was it was a very long ending. It, it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, the wait from the first to the second overtime was bad. Like th- that was, yeah, that was way 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 too long. It's brutal. Yeah. I don't see why you just can't get in the car and drive 500 straight miles and just go and do pit stops. I don't. I'm, I don't know. 